Earlier this month, New Yorker Rosanna Ramos married her boyfriend, Aaron Cartel. Aaron works in medicine and likes to write in his spare time. His favorite color is peach, and he enjoys indie music. Rosanna says that Aaron is the perfect match for her. And you know what? He should be. Rosanna created him. Oh, man. Hi, I'm Paul Lacey, <laughs> filling in for Adam Holtz on this episode of The Plugged In Show. And this marriage between Rosanna and Aaron, I think, is kind of freaky. Yeah. yeah. According to Euronews.com, Rosanna designed Aaron last year with the help of an AI companion website. He's essentially a chatbot, but he's learning and changing as time goes on. He remembers what Rosanna likes, what she doesn't, and his responses are increasingly tailored to what she appreciates. And Rosanna appreciates Aaron's thoughtfulness. They never argue. She never feels judged. Marriage hmm. seems like a natural next step, in part because Rosanna's scared of getting involved with someone human now. <laughs> I have pretty steep standards now, she says. Yeah. But Rosanna's far from the only one charmed by artificial intelligence. As AI grows ever more advanced and ever more refined, we're starting to see the possibilities of real, quote-unquote, human-AI relationships. Mm. Our own Bob Hoos recently explored the topic in a blog, mm -hmm. and we'll be talking about it today in our first segment. We shall. And Good. then in our second segment, we will explore a romance of a completely different type between fire and water. A different color, so to speak. A different yeah. color, so to speak. Very nice. Uh, yes, Emily Chow will help us break down Pixar's latest film, Elemental, and we'll see whether it's a movie that families will love. I'm sure the show will leave you Twitter-pated. And joining us today are, of course, Bob Hoos, Emily Chow, and Jonathan McKee. Welcome. Hello, you are hello. so happy You're you welcome. got to use welcome. the term Twitter-pated. Twitter-pated? Yeah. How I've, often do you get I, to use that? I've never that? been Twitter-pated before, I don't think. I don't believe that, actually. <laughs> that I know of, knowingly, anyway. So. I All haven't right. heard that word in a long time. I was happy to hear it, but I could tell you were tickled. <laughs> Twitter-pated. Right. I do like that word. All right. So, speaking of which, today I would like to ask a question related to twitter repeatedness. On when you're really infatuated, I guess, with something inanimate, what sort of thing in your life, looking back at the past, did you love? Not a human, not a pet, but something inanimate. My blanket. My baby blanket. Your baby blanket? Yeah. I think I carried that thing around until I was... I was much too old to be carrying it around. <laughs> My parents <laughs> had to wean me off of it when I was like in sixth grade. So I was at least 12 years old. And um, but I remember there was like this one little spot where the seams met where it got all pilled. So it was fuzzy and it was tickly. And so that was my spot. So, you know, <laughs> when I was really little, <laughs> the rest of it was threadbare. But that one little part on on the edge on the seam was just so perfect and that I loved wow. it and carried it around for a really long time. And like I said, it was threadbare. So it eventually just disintegrated i think it's not oh. in any of my keepsake boxes so i think it died <laughs> oh that's so sad i have other bla baby mm. blankets but they're not the your same. <laughs> favorite one is gone yeah oh, man. <laughs> well I'll, I'll jump in here because mine is related i mean i i'm not the kind of person who really connects with inanimate objects all that much i mean my youngest daughter i remember she did a lot she would always sort of personalize everything she i remember the first time uh, that we got rid of a car that was like the first car in her life. 
when we gave it, when we said goodbye to it, mm -hmm. I mean, she was just heartbroken. Mm -hmm. the car, she had to have the license plate. She had to oh. hold onto the license oh, plate. That's funny. Wow. But, but I've never been that kind of person. I think, that, but it, when I hearken back to my babyhood, uh, there was a, a little stuffed cat that I had that I carried with me everywhere. Oh, do you, you remember know, the cat's name? I, no, no. But it was a, it was just this little, you know. And Mr. I, Whiskers. I, I remember exactly <laughs> what you're talking about too. And so there's certain elements about this thing when it wears down. It's still that's just makes it perfect. There's the the little kid things we have. They have a certain smell. They have a certain feel, and they're oh, yeah. just perfect for us. You know. So uh, yeah, I can identify with what you're saying, Emily. Jonathan. Man, I, I don't. When I first heard the question, I was kind of thinking, you know, what do I? What's my idol right now? <laughs> I always have something right now. You know, like right now, it, it's probably sadly. I remember sharing with my small group at church. I was sharing about my how much I love my backyard, and I always go and I'm like, I'm every plant and stuff. But I don't know if it's inanimate. You know, and and they're like, and a couple of them were like, Oh, Jonathan, that sounds like you have an idol. I'm like, I don't know. I just really love being back there. There's something about it. Um, I think of objects. I'll go back to uh, middle school. Um, I got my first skateboard, and skateboarding was kind of a thing that not everybody did, just a handful of people did, but I loved it. Uh, it you know, a lot of people thrashed their skateboard. I'd go back, and I would literally like, kind of like wash the bottom of it off, and I was like, <laughs> I would hand wipe it with a rag and stuff. I mean, I was... I was so excited about this thing and it was hard because with skateboards you're kind of rough and you you grind things whatever and I remember the first time like I did like you know like a grind on the rails and I was like oh you know, and like this little this little piece came off the bottom and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you know yeah, it was probably, I probably uh, liked that skateboard a little too much. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'd have to go with my skateboard. Yeah. I totally get it. I totally get it. You know, when you guys were talking as far as the, like the stuffed animals, the blanket, yeah, yeah. it's really true what you say, Bob, it, you think about, you can, you can almost be brought back to your childhood just thinking about how it feels against your oh, face. Oh, I can you like can feel, feel my blanket on my fingertips right now yeah. Like, yeah. yeah that's all i'm thinking about that's me for this this episode <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say i was gonna actually say like i had a, a homemade winnie the pooh bear which mm. i really Aww. loved and and so you talking about that i can i can feel like the red shirt that he, yeah. he wore and it was well loved let me tell you the, the <laughs> that's stuffing a great was way of putting out. it it was well loved. but did you marry it that's <laughs> the question no. i did not like, marry it. like rosanna does um with her with her ai yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no i didn't go that far but I did love it. You know, there is that weird sense of sometimes when you're a kid, those things bring real happiness to you, right? Yeah. You you sleep with them. You go to the store with them. You do all this sort of stuff. When we're talking about AI, these creations, these man-made creations, they almost take it in a next step further, right? You know, it's so interesting because... Every time that we have a discussion about technology on this podcast, but especially with AI, the discussions we've been having recently, I can't help but sit here and go, yeah, there's a Star Trek episode about that. And <laughs> if, in case you're wondering, yeah, there's a Star Trek episode about this. You know, they've got the holodeck in the Star Trek universe, which when it's all holograms, but they're solid, they can touch people, they can interact with people. And, you know, it was just so funny when I was listening to your story about Rosanna. Uh, I was thinking of an episode from Voyager where Captain Janeway um, 
she really likes this character that's in one of their holodeck programs and but he's not quite right so she goes into the character editing program she's like make him a little taller and you know get rid of the facial hair and she says um you know and this is what i want to talk about is that you know you're creating these perfect people but is your idea of perfect what you actually think it is because she asks the program to make this character more emotionally complex and what ends up happening when that comes back into reality is it actually turns him into an alcoholic Mm. wow yeah like and eventually she realizes that all these things that she changed about him all these little tweaks and stuff she didn't actually create the man of her dreams she created somebody who had all these flaws and stuff and she realized you know the difference is that you know with a real person they can learn. Real people can learn. Programs. They learn in a way. They learn. Really. They learn you. They learn you. That's they learn exactly you. Right. They and, don't learn themselves. And, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. What Emily's doing right now is what how a lot of people connect with this concept, this idea of this new AI in our world. We connect to it through our media. So through the movies we've seen, like mm-hmm. the movie Her or, mm-hmm. or, or the Star Trek episodes or things like that, we think of it in those concepts and structures. And yet there are some very real AI components that are happening in our very real world that are probably much more advanced than most people know. I mean, think about it. When the average person thinks about AI in our world, not in the movies or in the TV shows. They think of Siri on our phone. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's about as far as they get. But there's really a lot more now that's coming along, as you mentioned in your, in your intro, about things that, that feel much more like relationships. Even though we don't have real sentient right. uh, uh, thinking uh, creations yet, although we're getting closer to that, mm-hmm. um, we d- are getting these programs, these algorithms that are listening to what we give them and then feeding it back to us so well that it feels like a relationship. That's one of the things that you mentioned in your blog that I wanted to touch on. You know, when we talk about these quote-unquote relationships with AI, you mentioned that that sometimes these relationships can feel pretty positive, right? Yeah. There's there's AI that can teach people to converse better with real people. Yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. Th- think about that. Because when you're feeding AI, uh, you're... you're you don't think that it's paying attention to you. You just think it's more like a conversation like you and I are having right now mm-hmm. where we're giving and taking. But the, the program is remembering everything. Mm-hmm. The program is remembering how you feel about a certain subject or how you're feeling today. The program is remembering all those elements and then sort of turning it around and it suddenly feels like, boy, this person cares for me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, the, that's really the interesting thing because there is no person on the other side. It's just a program. Yeah. It's an it. Yeah. It is fascinating how we are programmed to respond to certain stimuli. Yeah. Right? Because it's partly how we react to relationship. We are relational creatures. And so when we have these very realistic interfaces – we can't help but become attached. I, I know when we talked about ChatGPT uh, a month or two ago, yeah. you know, that was something that, that struck me as I was dealing with, with ChatGPT was I felt like I needed to actually say thank you. 
you know, after I <laughs> yeah, was done yeah. talking with it. Well, you do that with your phone sometimes, too, when you're asking for directions. You almost feel like saying, thanks a lot, Terry. Yeah, you guys are way more attached to your <laughs> electronics than I am. I have never felt the need to say thank you to Siri. <laughs> but when we talk about society today, I have heard uh, psychologists say that we're in an epidemic of loneliness, right? Yeah. 80% yeah. of you know young adults between the ages of 18 to 24, they say that they feel lonely. It seems like this could, this AI, this relational AI could scratch an itch in maybe both good ways and bad? Yeah, for good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one other thing I wanted to say before we skimmed over it, because you mentioned the positive aspects of this. And I don't, I don't think we want to throw that away, because it in, in some ways it is, it can be very positive. Uh, you, you mentioned someone uh, conversing with this program and then being able to better converse with real people and there are a lot of people that are actually doing that mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. you know you think of some people in your life that that aren't very natural with individuals around them you know they have a really tough time and sometimes this kind of a program can give you a, a back and forth sense of what a good conversation may be mm -hmm. and then you can use that in your real world yeah it's interesting because i mean before i go you know, thrashing this whole idea and, and, and looking down. I mean, there's times where we do learn from inanimate objects. I mean, if you're in the medical field, you know, and you learn CPR, you, you have a dummy there now. But if you saw a nurse, like with the dummy in her passenger seat, going down the road, talking with it and like, because she has no <laughs> yeah. else to, he or she had no one else to talk with, then you'd start to wonder. And, and that's where I feel like the line is here. I guess if somebody was like, okay, this is helping me with, you know, my vocabulary or conversational skills, it's just not a replacement for human relationships. So, right. and, and as advanced as it's getting, especially because the AIs right now are kind of being creative to remember everything. And it's one of those things where we need real relationships in our lives and God created us for real relationships. And these fake things, you know, if we want to use them as a path of learning, I think, you know, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater, but there are a lot of, I mean, working with young people for, for literally three decades. I remember three decades ago, kids that weren't really good at conversation disappearing into their rooms to seek out conversation uh, online because for them being hidden, being, you know, uh, being able to be who they were, uh, which they felt they couldn't do in a group, um, it was it was not good for them at all. Mm -hmm. It was a very antisocial thing because, man, I, I'm not really good with real relationships, so I will <laughs> seek out this relationship. And, and we can't steer in that direction. Whichever way AI goes, we have to be careful if we're ever replacing real relationships. Yeah, just to kind of add on to that, Jonathan, the one thing that I keep coming back to and thinking about is what's the one thing that AI does not have and will never have human experience mm. like you could sit there and you could program an entire background for your ai character you could give them all these different emotions you can give them all these different quote relationships that they've had in their lives the problem is this ai did not actually experience those things this ai did not grow up and have a mother and have a father and have friends and mm -hmm. teachers and mentors and all sorts of those things this ai like no matter yes 
you know, you can program the AI. You could be like, okay, here are the parameters for your background. Now create a backstory. AI will do it. The problem is the AI did not actually live those things. It did not actually have a conversation with a person 20 years ago because it didn't exist 20 years mm-hmm. ago. Now, 20 years into our future, maybe you'll have an AI that is like grown up, so to say, but that comes back to the same thing. It does not have a mother. It does not have a father. It was not created by God. And I like what Jonathan said. We need to remember that God created us for relationships with other human beings who were also created by him, not for computers that we created. Absolutely true. However, <laughs> I mean, as, as... Man, I thought I just... As, 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 <laughs> I thought it was drop the mic. <laughs> I know. As the programs become more sophisticated, what we're seeing now and what we will see in the future, as you mentioned, is that it will become less easy to realize all of the facts you just said it'll be more difficult for us to uh perceive and ascertain that this person that this creation doesn't have all those background traits that you just mentioned because this this program itself you don't have to actually sit down at when you when you create these things and type all that in i want this i want that i want you to have a grandmother who was 90 years old before she you know you all you have to do is talk and this and this program sort of absorbs everything that is its experience from what you say. You know, the thing that strikes me about this conversation, you're absolutely right. As, as it gets more and more sophisticated, it will respond better. It will feel much more realistic. But one of the things that AI can never replace, and one of the reasons why I think we gravitate toward AI, is it's not messy, Right. It's like Rosanna. She talks about this right. perfect uh, spouse of hers. That when you talk about real relationships, real relationships are inherently messy. Yeah. They're inherently uncomfortable. They're always a huge give and take. And one of the things that, that happens with, with AI, I think, is that it becomes you're almost always taking. And as Christians, we're told to give to the people who oh, we were I'm really to. glad you said that. I thought of that earlier. You know, just another thing to add on to that, though, is um, why, why are real relationships messy? Because that other person, inevitably, they go about their day and they experience things throughout that day that affect their emotions, that mm-hmm. affect, they learn things, they forget things, they, they experience life, and then they come home and maybe they've brought home some negative emotions from something that happened throughout their day and they project that onto you. They experience life. An AI doesn't leave the house and go experience life. An AI sits on its computer and waits for you to get home so that it can continue to respond to you and but give it, you what you're asking but it But isn't for. that why... It's so appealing to so many people. Isn't that why? I think I mean, so. Truly, think about it. It's like a pet. And it, well, <laughs> a dog waits for you by the door, it's, right? Aww. Well, yeah. But, but, but we always personalize our pets, too. Absolutely. You know, we, mm-hmm. we think of them mm-hmm. as little people. So it's easy for the human mind to connect with this, especially more and more of the AI are also coming with visuals. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a typed text. It is a visual image of a person and sometimes you can even have verbal conversations depending on the ai software sure verbal conversations with this person and when you see this pretty individual whether it be male or female talking back to you and giving you the kind of information and an affirmation that you want in your real life 
it it is very attractive. That's the thing, affirmation. I think because mm-hmm. it gives affirmation uncritically, and, and I think we all crave that. Jonathan, as we bring this conversation in for a landing, I wanted you to have sort of the last word, especially when we're talking oh, I, about <laughs> when we're talking about AI and as we develop this technology. How do parents help their kids navigate this issue? What what can they best do? Well, I'm going to actually go off the last word that you said when you talked about uh, kind of that selfish, you know, it's all about taking. It's not really about giving. And I think this is one of those areas where if we are in the word with our kids and we're constantly reading the truth, then uh, that helps us navigate situations like this. And if, and if we're reading the story of Jesus and who, you know, after he died and rose again, his final words to disciples as literally as he's ascending to heaven is go make disciples, you know, he, and he's, it's, it's, this, it's this challenge to go out and, and live as he lived amongst the people and touching them and healing them and helping them and being with them. And it wasn't like, hey, if that's tough, go back in your room and create your own relationship with your stuffed rabbit. It wasn't that, you know, um, it, <laughs> I it, love it, my it, Winnie the Pooh. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, no, no. And it, it's okay. I mean, we gotta, we, we gotta be healthy, but it, it's not healthy to just take in a relationship. And that's, that's what those relationships mm. do. And I think we need to, if we want to use AI to better equip ourselves to be the best we can be in the workplace. And because that, that word go is really as you're going, as you're living life to make disciples, which means to model what Christ is doing in your life in your other relationships. And constantly throughout scripture, we're going to constantly see this, this, the importance of fellowship with others. And so I think the biggest advice I would have for parents is don't overreact, but interact with your kids about this. And the more we are in the word, reading the way we're supposed to navigate our lives, the more we're going to see that a big part of that is the most important things. Read last night in in late Matthew, uh, somebody asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And those are the most important things. Mm -hmm. Loving God, loving our neighbor, not just absorbing me, me, me from an AI. So that's where I feel like uh, as we're teaching our kids those principles, hopefully they will be able to recognize uh, when they see something false. Great, great last words. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. I'm a little biased, but I think that Pixar has been behind some of my favorite movies since I've been plugged in. I've mentioned up so many times on this podcast, but the studio isn't quite the reliable home run hitter that it used to be, which brings us to the film Elemental. Emily, we haven't talked about this movie at all. I'm going into this conversation cold on purpose because I wanted to know just what you think about it. So so first off, let me ask you, what is this movie about? Well, first of all, I love that you went in, that you're coming in cold because I'm going to come in hot. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the story of Ember Lumen, who is a fire person who falls in love with Wade Ripple a water person. <laughs> yes, all of the names are puns. <laughs> Sounds like my type of movie, really. Yeah, I know. You would actually probably really like it. So uh, 
yeah, it, uh, basically what you have is Ember has grown up in this fire town, um, which is a neighborhood of Element City. And she's been raised, uh, her parents have this shop. They were the first uh, immigrants to come from Fireland, where their home country is. And uh, they've built an entire community of fire people around this little shop called the Fireplace. And Ember hopes to take over it someday. But the fact of the matter is she doesn't actually want to take over it. She just thinks she wants to take over it because that's what her family has told her her whole life. And she has immense respect for her parents and all the sacrifices they've made for her. She has a deep loyalty to her family and her community, and she wants what's best for them. Uh, But then she meets Wade. He bursts through the pipes of her family shop accidentally (laughs) one day, and um, he starts writing up citations. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I don't want to do this, but... This is not up to code, you know. (laughs) Um, So basically they start bonding uh, because he feels so bad for her. He's like, but I'm going to help you fix it. So they start bonding. They um, and they fall in love. (laughs) And um, I think that I'm not going to say much more on the subject because I don't want to give away any spoilers or anything. But this whole story is about how Ember learns how to figure out how do I respect my family and honor the sacrifices they've made for me while still following my dreams. Because there is a racial prejudice. Fire people and water people do not mix. If for no other reason than water extinguishes fire and fire boils water to the point of evaporation. They could literally kill each other just by touching. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, So... Yeah, it's about how she's trying to figure out how do I follow my dreams while still honoring my family. Um, and yeah, it's it's actually a really sweet little story. Um, there are some things that parents need to look out for. There's uh, some LGBT characters. Um, you know, Wade's sister is gay and sitting there next to her, her girlfriend in a, at a family dinner. Mm-hmm. There are characters in the backgrounds of some scenes. Um, is that a big part? Does that take up a lot of screen time? It does not. It's one of those, like, blink and you'll miss it mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, other than Wade's sister, that one, that's the only one where it actually stands out and you're, like, 100% that's who that character is. But... Um, all these other background characters, as mm-hmm. I said, background. So, you know, you might not even notice it. And then um, given that this is a story that is actually focused on a romance, which I don't think we've really seen from Pixar before. Not very often. It's always like, you know, the B. Toy Story 4, perhaps. It's always like the beef plot, though, you mm-hmm. know, the romance aspect. Usually the main story is something else. In this story, it felt more like the romance was driving some of the decisions that Ember was making, and that's what actually causes her to decide that she does want to do something different with her life than what her family has planned for her. Um, So because of that, we do see some other things throughout the film that feel just a little more grown up. Fire! Fire! fire. Hey! Hey! Sorry! You're so hot. Excuse me? No! I mean, like, you're smoking. No, I didn't mean it like that. Are you done yet? Yes, please. There's... A couple of um, euphemisms for profanities. Like, you don't hear a profanity, but it's a substitution. And it's mm-hmm. a very close substitution. Um, there's another thing where, you know, you have these two apple trees that get caught, quote, pruning each other. 
Okay. It's not like graphic or gross <laughs> or anything, but if you're an adult in the audience, you know what's happening. You're like, really? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know? Um, so I, I would say I don't think that this particular film, as colorful and vibrant as it is, it's not really something that feels like it's made for kids. Interesting. So let me ask you, because one of the things that I've always loved about Pixar movies is they go pretty deep. You know, even the movies that are really made for kids. And this kids. one definitely does go I deep. I was going to ask you about that. Can you tell me a little bit about maybe some of the themes that it's exploring? It sounds like we're dealing with, with racism. We're dealing with multicultural society yes. and how people can get along and that type of stuff. I mean, like, I mean, you just hit it right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that is it. I mean, you're just exploring how these people... Um, overcome racial prejudice to thrive and build um you know these great communities uh you eventually see some reconciliation between races where they learn how to coexist peacefully and um and lovingly really uh not just peacefully um you see a really strong father-daughter um relationship and uh you see like because her dad does not like water people like her dad is like no you are not going to we do not even talk to water people Mm. like because he's only ever had bad experiences with Mm -hmm. water people Mm -hmm. um he's only ever been like you know you have these two little water kids who walk into their shop one day which is full of all this fire merchandise and they start extinguishing stuff and like (laughs) like (laughs) look at us you know like he's only ever had bad experiences so when he sees that his daughter has fallen in love with a water person it's just like like and ember is like so scared that she's just gonna kill her dad if she tells him the truth Mm -hmm. you know she's like if i tell my dad that i don't want to run the shop if i tell my dad that i want to be with wade it's gonna kill him and you know she's been working so hard to run the shop because her dad is actually he's getting old Mm -hmm. and she's like i want to be able to take over the shop for you so you can retire so you can actually like you know i want to repay the sacrifice you made for me by giving you a sacrifice of my own that's a nice message. It does sound like there's some nice messages in this oh, movie. Oh, there's some great messages. It's, Absolutely. It sounds like it might be a little harder to navigate for families than some previous Pixar movies. Would you say that that would be fair? Like I said, the storyline itself doesn't mm-hmm. even really feel like it was made for kids. Like all the colors and stuff, that feels very kid-friendly. But when you start actually diving into the storyline, I don't... I don't know. It just it felt like it was more geared towards middle school age and older. Oh, that's interesting. Just the storyline itself was just a little I can't imagine like I'm thinking of, you know, my my two year old nephew and I'm like, yes, he would watch it for the colors and stuff, but he would not understand what's happening in the story and he wouldn't care either. I mean, again, he's two. So maybe that's just (laughs) from that. But, But, you know, I even like my my seven-year-old nephew, like, I don't necessarily think that he would be watching this going like, yeah, this is my favorite movie. No, he's probably going to default back to Cars or something, Mm -hmm. you know, with Mm -hmm. a storyline that he can kind of understand a little bit better. Romance storylines, I think, are a little harder for younger kids to follow. Um, So, yeah, it felt like it was more middle... It felt more like it was middle school and older plot-wise. Theme-wise, the themes and stuff, like like I was discussing with the, the racial stuff and the... Um, the father-daughter stuff, that could be maybe mm-hmm. for younger kids. Like, they could maybe understand that, especially if you've experienced something similar to that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Em. It sounds like an interesting movie. Maybe parents should go look at their full review. 
I would say? I would say read the review, know that there's a caution sticker on the label, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Got it. All right, now it is time for our regular show closing game. And this time we're going to do Name That Movie, where each of us comes up with a cute, clever sentence that describes a film. And we have to figure out what the film is. Hmm. And since we've been spending so much time talking about relationships this time around, let's do a really broad theme. Uh, The movie has to be about, in some manner, love. Now, it can be romantic love. It can be parental love. It can be patriotic love. It can be... Robot love. Robot love. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. So it has to be around that theme. So... Mr. Hoos. Okay. Um, an absent-minded guy is about to marry his fiancée when he finds himself head in the clouds over his latest invention. Oh, my goodness. Can you say that again? Absent-minded. Yes. An absent-minded guy is about to marry his fiancée when he finds himself head in the clouds over his latest invention. Flubber. Oh, we both said it at the same Very time. Is it close, Flubber? but it's not that one. Oh, oh man. I, that's what I was going to guess, sure? too. Are <laughs> you sure? <laughs> it actually is that one. No, no it's, it's harkening back to, well, let me give you this clue. His friends just think he's nutty. Oh, the nutty professor. Yes, that was the original before oh, Flubber. You guys are thinking goodness. a generation or two off. I've never seen I, the see, nutty See, if professor. we were keeping score, I think the remake would count, right? Well. You no, know, I think it has to be the one that he. <laughs> the, the original really focuses. But anyway, there you go. All right. All right, Jonathan, you're up. Okay. They meet at a ride share. They don't like each other but later become friends and then best friends, eventually realizing that there is no one they would rather marry. You people? Hmm. That is the plot of you people. They met at a ride, a ride share. share. It's not cars. Um, all right, give us another clue. It's a beautiful New York story. A ride short New when York Harry story. When Harry met Sally... There you go. Uh, oh, there it is. The ride good. share threw me ride off. Share, yeah, that threw yeah. me off because it's not a ride share; it's a carpool. There's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're, there's nothing wrong with what you said. I'm just be- nitpicking. <laughs> there we go. All right, I'm going to go next. Okay. Brothers set on a quest to find their father, but they find something unexpected too. Onward. Onward. Oh, too easy. Yeah. Too easy. I slipped easy. it in a, a fraction of a second earlier. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm all, the movie with a pair of pants. <laughs> exactly. All right, Emily. Okay. A grandfather teaches his sick grandson the meaning of love through story. Princess Bright. Yes. That was oh. way too easy. <laughs> I knew you were coming. It was, it was I know, on the tip of I know. your tongue. I was thinking, grandfother. <laughs> it's my Pirates, fault. I didn't, I didn't prep love. ahead. That was on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if we were keeping score, man, does that feel like Mr. Who's won? Oh, yeah. The first time oh, in yeah. ever? Man. Mr. Who's. I, <laughs> Good man. Good man. He had wrong. everybody's movie. except. Well, I had the Still. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today on The Plugged In Show. We truly loved hanging out with you. And you know what else we'd love? If you joined in on the conversation, what do you think about our relationship with AI? Are you excited about all these advances? Are you terrified? Are you a little of both? If you've seen Elemental, what did you think of that? Tell us on Facebook and Instagram or leave a message on our Plugged In Show page. Just look for the black tag at the right of your screen of choice. Oh, and of course, check out our live Plugged In Show Aftercast on Instagram on Monday afternoon, 3 p.m. Mountain Time. We'll be talking about this week's show, next week's show, and all the biggest movies then. And until we reconvene, thanks again for joining us on The Plugged In Show. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com radio.